Let's look at Theology 101 today. We're going to talk about God's special revelation. We're going to be looking specifically at Exodus 3, 14, and Acts. That should be 9, by the way. Acts 9, 3 through 6. So Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, and Acts 9, 3 through 6. Now, last time that we were together, we talked about God's general revelation. God's communication of himself to all times, to, to, to all people at all times. And that is basically, when you talk about God's uh, general revelation, you talk about creation. Creation is still proclaiming the creative nature and the creative work of God. But it takes more than just that, even though we read uh, Paul's uh, last time, it says, they are without excuse because the creation proclaims his invisible powers, his attributes. But uh, there's also something else that is needed beyond general revelation. Now, what I'm going to do in this series is just kind of lay some groundwork, some basic groundwork, so that when you're out on the highways and byways of life, you can actually argue not only for the existence of God, but also share the gospel. I know our Sunday school class is getting ready to do a study today, by the way, tell someone, and uh, that's by Greg Laurie. But all of this is done so that not only do you lay a foundation in your own life, but that you're able to take that foundation and share the gospel with the world and those in your neighborhood or your next door neighbor. Now, today we're going to look at special revelation. Special revelation is God's particular communication of himself to specific persons at special times. Now, as we go through this, we're going to discover that your call to salvation was really a special revelation of God to you. It was a moment when God revealed himself, who he was, who Christ was, and you received that message and gave your life to him. So special revelation does cover salvation. Now, why do we need special revelation? Why do we need it? Well, special revelation is necessary because the human race lost its relationship with God through the fall of man. In other words, God has to have a way in which he can communicate with people because of the fall. Back in the, before the, the fall of man, uh, they had a relationship with God. It was, it was a personal relationship. But when the fall came in Genesis chapter 3, moving forward, God needed to reveal himself to people. And God still has to do that today. Even though we are saved as the body of Christ and we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we know that because of God's special revelation, that God spoke to us individually that the message of the cross, that the message of Christ, that the message of salvation is true. And therefore, we received it and embraced Christ and brought him into our hearts or invited him into our hearts. Now, when we talk about uh, special revelation, what about the modes of how does God reveal his, his, uh, his special revelation to us? What are the different modes in which God does this? Or you could say it this way. What are the vehicles by which God uses to bring special revelation to man? This is all part of what is called Theology 101, the basics of our Christian faith. Number one, historical events. When we go back and we look at the Exodus, 
we see that God parted the Red Sea, the walls of Jericho. One of my favorite is, in, um, is when uh, in Joshua where God takes stones and throws them at the enemies of God. All of these events, which people would read this and say, well, this is just man's writing. No, we'll get into that next week. That's coming next week when we talk about the meaning of inspiration. But here we have all of these events in, in time where God is using history to specifically reveal himself to man. It goes all the way through to the New Testament as well. We see God at work when he is uh, leading 3,000 people in a single setting to saving faith. This happens because it is a historical event, something that is verified, something that is real, something that you can read. And I've, I've mentioned this, this before. When I, was at, uh, uh, when I was in Bible college, I took a summer course at Florida State University. And the professor went through when he got to the part about Jesus and the apostles or disciples. He talked everything, and I could not find one thing that he said wrong. But at the end of the, at the, at the, end of the section that we were studying on Jesus, he said, in the end, Jesus was a good man. I don't know how you can study and be so accurate on the historical events of Jesus' life and his ministry and his miracles and miss the most important thing. Do you know why he missed it? Special revelation. You have to be sensitive to that. And I said, Jesus, I told him after, I told the professor after class, I said, Jesus, you confirmed that Jesus was a real figure, yes. Well, did you know that Jesus was also the true Messiah? And the professor, I said, everything that you laid out is exactly what, what we would believe as Baptist. So historical events are very important on how God shows his special revelation to us. Secondly, the Holy Scripture. The Bible says that the Scripture is active and alive, piercing even the very center of our core. To paraphrase, uh, God speaks through his holy word because as next week we will study, it is breathed on by God, and we'll get into that next week. Thirdly, the incarnation of Christ. God spoke through Jesus. That is when Jesus came. When we go to the book of Hebrews, we go to chapter 1, we read this. Long ago and at many times and at many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Verse 2, listen to this, very important. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. God spoke through the prophets in the Old Testament. When we come to the New Testament, Jesus is speaking through the Father. He is speaking what God would want man to know. And that was a special revelation. A fourth way is simply through divine speech. The word of the Lord came to me saying, all of a sudden, God is speaking. You see in, in the Old Testament, you, you, you read it over and over. Uh, in, in, in the Psalms, thus saith the Lord. There's all of these sayings that came from God. That is a specific revelation. A lot of those to David and a lot of, lot of the Old Testament leaders received a word from God. It was a direct speech. 
and it, it just so happens to be in the scriptures as well and you could tie you could you could tie divine speech to the holy scripture but these are the modes by which God reveals his special revelation and generally time tested this is true there are some other ways but I wanted to give you the four big ways in which God reveals special revelation to us so now we're going to test this we're going to test this divine special revelation from God we're going to test it through a man named Moses many of us know Moses Moses was the one that led the people out of Israel or out of Egypt and to the and led them towards the promised land that God had promised and here you look at Moses as the lawgiver Moses is the lawgiver and so God reveals himself well just watch the video shoes from your feet, for the place whereon you are standing is holy ground. Put off your shoes. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, and the God of Moses. I have surely seen the affliction of my people that are in Egypt. I have heard their cry. I know their sorrows, and I have come down to deliver them and to bring them out of that land unto a good land, flowing with milk and honey. Now, therefore, behold, I will send you unto Pharaoh, that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But, but, but who am I that... I should go to Pharaoh and bring the people of Israel out of Egypt. I will be with you. But if I say, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they shall say, what is his name? What shall I say to them? You shall say to the children of Israel what he is called. For what he is called is... I am that I am. And say too, the Lord God of your fathers has sent me unto you. Now the king of Egypt will not let you go, not by a mighty hand, but I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders. They will not believe me. They will say, the Lord has not appeared unto you. What is in your hand? rod, cast it to the ground. Put out your hand and take it by the tail. 
Now put your hand in your bosom. Now remove it. Return it to your bosom and again remove it. Through this power, they will believe. Oh, Lord, I, I'm not eloquent. I, not now, before. I am slow of speech. I am of a slow tongue. Who has made man's mouth? Who makes the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind? Am I not the Lord? But your brother Aaron shall be your spokesman, and you shall put the staff in his hand. But with you shall be the power of the Lord. Special revelation. Moses, did you catch that? Uh, they're not going to believe. And he said, they will believe because I have revealed myself to you. One of the key phrases there, which is often overlooked, is when God says to Moses in, in 3.14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Uh, if you look at uh, if you look at the word I am, it means to be. Uh, uh, professionally, or it's called haya. That's the phonetic pronunciation of it. Haya, which is to be. So when he says I am, when God says I am, he is talking about some type of existence, to be. And then the second word is who. He says here, I am who, and that is the word asher, which means because. And this is very, very, very important because at the end of that statement that he makes to Moses, he said, did I not create? Um, and then, of course, we go back to I am. And this time, the word I am means cause to be. To be because... I cause to be. And if you put the whole sentence together, these phrases together, most scholars would agree with this. I cause to be because I caused to be. In other words, when God reveals himself to Moses here at this moment in history, in Moses' life, he is saying that I exist because I brought everything into existence. And he says, I am who I am. And this will be important when we get to the Apostle Paul. Douglas Stewart says it this way. The name should be thus understood as referring to Yahweh being the creator and sustainer of all that exist. And thus Lord of both creation and history. All that is, all that is happening, a God active and present in historical affairs. And so what we have here in the call of Moses is Moses questioning 
how are the people going to know that you sent me? And he says, I will let them know that I sent you, and they will believe. They will understand that you had had a special revelation from God. And this is part of the revelation that Moses had been given from God, is that he was the one that was to carry the message for the great I Am. And he was going to take it to Pharaoh, and of course, uh, I, I love it. If you go on and read the narrative in chapter 3, you'll find that when Moses pulled his hand, actually, the scriptures, which was not uh, shown here, is when Moses threw down the staff, he saw a snake, and he started to back away from it. He was going to run, but God said, no, no, pick it up. But here is in a moment in time when God is giving Moses a special revelation. Now think of that, a special revelation to the prophet Moses. Now let's go to the Apostle Paul. Here you have the Apostle Paul. Here it's right, 9, 9, uh, 9, 3 through 6. And you'll notice he says, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. By the way, let's watch another video. Persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Ananias. Behold, I am here, Lord. Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And he hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints in Jerusalem. And here, here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. I will shew him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake.
ever saw. The Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Brother Saul, receive thy sight. What we saw there was not only one, but two special revelations. Did you catch that? And I want you to think about the similarities between these two events. You had Moses who was encountered by God in a burning bush, a bright burning bush. In fact, uh, I don't know at that point if Moses really knew who he was until he took off his shoes and God described himself to him who he was. When you get to the Apostle Paul, you have a different reality. The Apostle Paul was breathing out. Matter of fact, this story takes place on the road to Damascus when the Apostle Paul was still breathing out threats against the church, wanting to kill Christians and imprison them. And he encounters a bright light. In fact, when you go back and you read the narrative, uh, Paul goes on to mention that event two more times in the book of Acts. And he says to one king, at noon, I was traveling. So this light must have been bright. The other thing about this is that God involves other people in this special revelation. Think of the impossibility. If you're standing there and God says, I want you to go here. God is orchestrating history. So when you talk about special revelation, you are also encompassing historical facts about God, that God is the one that is orchestrating these events. Special revelation generally, and in fact, when you were saved, that was in an event time frame in your life and mine. It was a time frame in which God is laying out his his plan for the redemption of the world. And here he chooses a most unlikely vessel, the Apostle Paul. Paul was steeped in Judaism. He knew the law better than anybody. In fact, he says that. 
And yet God chose to use him. But what I again find interesting, I just happen to believe this, that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament, and he's also the God that never changes. You have two men, different missions. Moses, lead my people out of the bondage of Egypt. Paul, go preach the gospel that you may lead the Gentiles out of the bondage of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And I think what is, well, let me just show you this. I think this is the most important phrase. And it's, um, it's ergo ami Jesus. Ergo ami Jesus. The word study. I, ergo, I indeed am, are me, to be. And it also refers to being identical to something. And then, of course, Jesus or Jesus. This sounds vaguely familiar, and most scholars attach this to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, when God says, I am who I am. After all, did not Jesus speak on the authority of God? And therefore, Jesus said in his ministry, to see me is to see the Father. Therefore, I am. I exist. The same exact phrase in a different, in a different way, but he is saying, I am who I am. And he revealed himself to the Apostle Paul, to where the Apostle Paul could only bend to the will of God. And I, I like what John Polhill said. These words were a complete refutation of all that he had been. He had persecuted Christians for their blasphemous lies, that Jesus was risen, that the Lord was reigning in glory. Now, I love this. Now, Paul himself beheld the same Jesus and the undeniable proof that he both lived and reigned in glory. Think about, think about the people that God saves. Think about it. I know many of you here may be raised in church. You think, well, my, rep, my, my salvation wasn't that special. Well, yes, it was, because God revealed it to you. But what about the drug addict? The person that's addicted to cocaine, that God delivers. That, how does that happen? It's not self-will. That is God, divine, special revelation upon the person where he breaks the bondage. That's what special revelation does. It changes the individual's life. And when you look at the apostle, you look at Moses. He went on to fight for God. Yes, Moses made mistakes. I get that. But Moses then followed God and did what he was told to do uh, most of the time. Moses was not perfect, but he was the lawgiver. Then you look at Paul, how a life can be so radically changed. In fact, the Jerusalem council was a little nervous about the apostle Paul. Had he really changed his life? Had God really saved him? Because we know this guy, we know what he's been capable of, and so they had to even test the waters on the apostle Paul. But God can change a life, and that happens. That happens through special revelation. You don't get that in a general revelation. You can. I, I think, actually, you get, special, you get special revelation, and then you understand general revelation. 
That's, that's, my, that's the way I, I, I think of it. Uh, you, it's, you go out and you look at creation, you look at the trees, and you look at how everything's organized. You go, that's beautiful. But when you know the creator, then the creation suddenly pops. I remember when I was in Bible college, I kept having trouble seeing the board. And I told the professor I'd like to move up to the front of the class because I'm having trouble seeing. Dr. Haney said, that's fine. I got set up to the front, and Dr. Haney said the most obvious thing at the end of class. He said, when was the last time you went to an eye doctor? And I said, well, it's been a while. He said, you need to go. I went, got my glasses, and I'm telling you, when I put those glasses on and walked outside, it was like I was seeing the world again for the first time. I went, whoa. And that's what special revelation does. It's the moment when you go, wow, I know God exists. A.T. Robinson says this. Um, A.T. Robinson says this. This surrender of the will of, to Christ was the conversion of Saul. He saw a real person, the risen Christ, to whom he surrendered his life. On this point, he never wavered for a moment to the end of his life. Wow. Let me land this. Characteristics of revelation. Number one, generally special revelations involve an encounter with God. Moses encountered God at the burning bush, the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. St. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, was struggling with the idea of a sinful life and struggling with the thought that Christianity might be true, went out and sat under a fig tree. And he read Romans chapter 13, 13 and 14, which said, do not carouse as in the day, live to follow Christ. And at that moment, he was converted. How did he get that? He got that through special revelation. Read this, special revelation. Then there's you. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you have understood the special revelation of God. Do you remember the day when you were confronted with that truth? And the reality of the moment? That was, you are part of a grand scheme of God. You are on God's timeline as having received that revelation from him. Also, God tells us something about himself through special revelation. What did he tell Moses? There are several things that he told Moses. One thing that he told Moses is, I hear the cries of my people. God hears his people. Another thing that he reveals to Moses is, I can make you an instrument of my desire. I can make you a vessel. That applies to us too, brothers and sisters. God can use us even when we don't think that he can. God can. What about the Apostle Paul? The big takeaway from the Apostle Paul is simply that God loves sinners. Even the vilest ones. We must never forget that as a church. 
We must never, ever forget that as a church, that God loves the vilest of sinners. If you were going to pick somebody to bring the message to the Gentiles, I'm not sure the Apostle Paul would come up number one. But God had a plan. God loves sinners and wants them to be saved. Number three, it usually accompanies a call. And we're just using an overlay here of special revelation throughout the Bible. I could preach another month and a half just on this. But we're overlaying how God revealed himself in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And what usually followed that was a call. To Moses, go free my people from Egyptian bondage. To Moses, go preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And to you, special call. Special call. Number four, it requires some type of action. Moses went, Paul went. What about you? Has God called you to do something special? Has he called you to maybe start a ministry or do something? Whatever it is, God is, it usually requires an action. And ultimately, the action requires faith. God doesn't let us operate a lot of times in what we can see. When God calls us to do something, that is also special revelation, which he is, when he called me to the ministry, it was a series of things. But at the end, I knew exactly what he wanted me to do, and I left. That was a, uh, I cherish that, that time that, that God spoke to me. It's something that I will cherish and remember till I am with him. Oh. <laughs> Special revelation will pretty much involve this almost every time. He changes lives. That's what God does through special revelation. Moses was changed. Paul was changed. I was changed. You were changed. So that you want to go out and serve him this week. Maybe God is speaking to you about something in your own life. Maybe God is calling you to something. Maybe, maybe you haven't heard from him in a long time and you just say, God, I want you to speak to me. Uh, I'm going to open up the altar here this, this, this morning so that you can come and you can respond to him. I think that's, I think that's important. I think it's important.